Hey everyone, welcome to Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim, a podcast where Tim Gillespie and Sam Lenore invite you into a conversation with them and many of their friends where they explore life, faith, modern culture, and friendship. Welcome back, everybody. This is Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim. How you doing, Sam? Welcome back, everybody. I am doing well. How are you, Tim? Ah, uh, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm, um, I'm fascinated by what we've been talking about. First of all, because it's like this, it's like this return through memory lane. Um, and if you don't, don't know, if you're just jumping in, go back and listen to chapters one and two of the band discussion, which nobody, I don't know that anyone cares about other than us, but it's fun to kind of go back through this. <laughs> However, we're starting to hear from former band members. Isn't that, wasn't that really awesome? That was. Last it was night, great. Or was it, yes, it was yesterday morning. Was it morning? Yesterday morning, we posted the first one. Yeah. And uh, one of our former bandmates and friend who may be listening to this right now, we, uh, we, heard, we both got a text from him saying, looking forward to chapter two, which is frightening. I didn't know he was it listening. Was, yeah, it was almost ominous in the way of like, <laughs> hmm, see if you get this right. And my wife has told me for a lot of years that I don't remember things correctly. Uh, like I'll be, I'll be telling the story. My wife's like, none, none of that happened that way. <laughs> but that's the narrative that has been created in my mind. So, so for anyone who's been involved in the band over the years, um, I'd like to apologize right now. If this is not the way that you thought things happened, um, that's what I was experiencing, or at least that's what I was remembering. Well, that's is that a, a good caveat? Thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful caveat. Um, but I just want to say before you move on that my wife tells me that I remember everything with perfect, just perfect photographic memory. Her, my... <laughs> My recollection <laughs> of memories is exactly like hers. It's so, so, so that's exactly. How we're different. That's that how is we're how different. we're different. Uh, there's a lot of ways we're different, but that is definitely one of them, Sam. Um, <laughs> hey, I know your wife. I don't think she said any of that. Are you kidding me? I've never told a story accurately ever, according to her. Like that's, that never happened. <laughs> but that's part of our training as pastors, I feel like. Oh, no, no. Tim. What I mean by that, let me explain. Let me explain. What I mean by that is that um, you never just tell a story, right? You tell a story because you're getting to a point, um, and so even your recollection of history has a like a, a moral to it, a purpose to it, or a connection to it. It's never just like, oh, I was walking around the street one day, and then lo and behold, I found you know, I found mm. a bird. It's always like I found a bird, and that showed me the love of Jesus. You know, <laughs> there's always. <laughs> There's always that. So I think it does mess with your head when you're trying to remember something, which is probably not fair. And I, I apologize if that's, you know, broken, broken, the, broken the suspension of disbelief that people have in their pastors. But no, I don't no, know that people listen, have but, those anymore. No, listen, the, the, um, I, actually, I actually gently and lovingly disagree with you on the storytelling thing. <laughs> okay. Um, I've, I've actually always thought that the, the pastors who use a story and then draw, draw a point out of it, um, do a little bit of damage to the potential 
power of the story. Now, I, I think there's definitely application for that. And I do it all the time. Yes, I tell a story and I tell you. But I think most of the time, the better move is to, is to tell a story that's captivating and let it do its work in you without drawing you to. And here's the three points well, this story shows you. Not all of us are as good a storyteller as you are. First of all, second of all, this is not a preaching podcast right now. No, you're right. Music. Let's, let's go not go down music. this. Let's not go down this hey, rabbit hole. But I think there's applications to music too, because I've always thought. Listen, there's songs that I didn't know the lyrics to. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know the artist Seal? Are you familiar with that name? I, well, I've, I've just offended you. You're, you I've never. I've never. I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> who? Who never heard? Uh, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of music. I apologize. I do. You. I do know who Seal is. We can say that. I saw him at LAX uh, recently, by the way. Um, oh, just hanging was... out in first class? Is that why? <laughs> you could, you want, are you, you going to make an issue? Are you, do you want to race that I'm issue I'm not making right an now? issue. No, I'm not making an issue of anything. I'm just saying, I don't know where you would have seen him, except Dear in listener, first class, in your first class lounge. Timothy has had, he's had a long running problem with the fact that we flew once together in an uh-huh. aircraft and... Uh-huh. I happen to, because I have a little bit of a status with the airline that I committed two years ago, which he refused to do for many years and thus does not have status. I got, I got promoted to the front of the plane and he had to ride in the back of the plane. Even the way you say that, promoted, as if you did something <laughs> to deserve it. I have status, he does not have status. Like everything you're saying, everything you're saying is judgmental. Everything you're saying. <laughs> And you're supposed to be the nice one, but you, you're, <laughs> there's, I'm I can't, to be the, listen, that's what I've heard. At least that's what people say. We like Sam because he's nice. That's what we're we want. Dear listener, that's not what you sound like. The voice he just mocked you with is definitely not how you sound. So I just, right. That's just what you apologize. sound like. Sam. I want to apologize. Can I just tell you about Seal? Okay, but I heard an yes. interview once where someone asked him, what are the actual lyrics to one of the songs, one of his popular songs? Because we cannot Kiss make by out. Rosa. Right. Sorry. And he said, I will not tell you because really? I want the words that your soul gave you as you listen to this song to be what is meaningful to you. <laughs> he just couldn't remember the words to his song. <laughs> It's like, I don't know. I didn't write it. I just sang those lyrics. I have no idea. Um, wow. No, that's good. No, because it is art, right? There's some, there's some art, artistry involved in that. And there's yeah. some artistry involved in storytelling, as we say. Yes. Um, yeah, so no, to- I agree. I actually agree with you. I agree with you kindly and comfortingly. What did you say? You disagreed with me, how? Huh? I agree with you kindly and comfortingly. No, I said lovingly. Lovingly. Whatever. I'm not afraid of saying loving. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not, the word love is, is in my vocabulary. That's like an implication that I'm afraid to say it. I said comfortingly. That's, that's I mean, that's a word picture of, you know. Dude, this is going to devolve into the Tim and Sam argue. Feels like it already has. Okay, so what are we talking about? We're right. talking about the band. Where are we? Okay, so we, so we won the regional competition in Indiana. Indiana, right. that's right. Yeah. Right. We, we got a trophy and everything. Mm-hmm. The, the blouse is what got us over the, like <laughs> Took that's us over what, the top. Yeah. For and, sure. Um, and so then we, we moved out. We prepared for GMA Nationals and we went there. And um, Tim, tell them what the outcome was of the, of the national competition, the Gospel Music Awards right. 
So let's just, let's just take a moment and savor that for just a second, because it was like going to Nashville as like a feature artist in this, in this showcase um, talent show was really, really exciting. I mean, we, it felt like the doors were opening right to this industry that we were now like hoping that we could be a part of. And so gospel music association that week is a week long kind of Christian music festival. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but there's showcases from all the labels and distribution companies. There's all this swag that you get, which is always really cool. Um, there's convention, there's the Dove Awards that happen. And then there's this little talent competition that they had. I don't know that they still do it anymore, but um, there was this talent competition. And so we got to play and it was in, it was in, you know, the big convention center and we had a pretty big room. I think it was probably mm-hmm. the biggest crowd we had ever played to at the time, a couple thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. And tell them what the price for winning that competition was. If, okay. So if I remember, I don't think there was a monetary prize, was there? I don't think was so. there cash involved. I don't think there was cash involved, but it was, it was a, it was a, a record label contract. Yeah. Right. So the promise of the promise of, of rock stardom really basically right. was the, was the, a right. by the way, by the way, just for retrospect here, do you know any group that actually won that, that you can name right yes. now? Yes. Yeah. The for Jars of Clay. That's did Jars of Clay win it? Okay. Of course. That's, are you kidding me? That's, we went there. You, right. I can't believe you remember this. We no, went there saying, we're the next jars. We will be the That's next right. jars of clay. And they were the biggest, one of the they biggest They were huge at that point. They yeah. were huge. They crossed over. They had done the crossover, crossed the Red Sea into quote unquote <laughs> secular music. They got to play real shows. I remember, I remember a Rolling Stone article. They had just played someplace in Chicago. I don't know if there was Lollapalooza or something. And they, they were talking like Smashing Pumpkins, I think was the headlining band. And they were like, Smashing Pumpkins was awesome. But before they played, there was some other band that played. And I, I'm not sure why we had to listen to them. It was something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I remember them saying that the lead singer had a razor thin voice, which I thought, wow, that's really, mm, that's rough. Mm. Anyway, so yeah, so we're going to play this thing. And it's, it's an interesting competition because it's not just like, they don't separate it by genre. They don't sh- mm. separate it by, I mean, so you've got singer songwriters that are there. Wasn't there that couple that was there? Oh no, they didn't do GMA. That was at SS Park. Can't remember yeah, the name. They've been different event. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, choirs, huge choirs, gospel choirs, huge yeah. gospel choirs with dancers and flags, that whole yeah. thing. Um, and so, yeah, we played, man. We were up and I remember, wasn't it, was it, I don't know if this is the right name, Shonda Pierce was emceeing. She was a Christian comedian. I think so. That sounds familiar. Yes. I think, I don't know if that's the right name or not, but she was super nice and we're, you know, back in the green room and all that super, you know, all of a sudden like we're or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And then we got to play. And, and this is the time, I think I had referenced it before. We had rented a house in Nashville for the week. Right. And we spent just hours and hours and hours talking about what we were going to wear, working through every single, I mean, we, we already knew what song we were doing, obviously, is the same one that we had won with in Indiana. But we, I mean, we worked out every single, every movement, move. motion. We blocked every single thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I knew exactly where I was supposed to stand at every moment. All my dance, my very carefully choreographed <laughs> dance moves were, were memorized. You, you were playing bass this time. Yeah, I had made the you transition to bass. bass. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which was a way more comfortable position for me and remain for the rest of our time together. Right? For the rest of our time, yeah. And so, yeah, man, I remember, I remember walking up on stage, getting announced, walking up on stage and, and just moving into it. And it was... 
I was, was so scared. Three, I was, it was so scared. Yeah, no, it was three and a half minutes of like the best time I've ever had in my life. Like the crowd was with <laughs> us and, and it felt like we had done really well. It felt like oh, we, had we done, won. We definitely, we won. I'm just going to go ahead and say it from, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move, move ahead to the end and say we won. Which is amazing. Because yes. we did, we we didn't win. <laughs> so we that was the, interesting. We won too, the right? hearts. The hearts. We won the hearts. Of the audience. So we were runners up. We came in second. Um, to what? Tell them to what, Tim? Hang on, I'm getting there. I'm oh, telling the story. Um, there were three judges. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. I think there were three judges. They scored out of fifty, yeah. um, and we lost to a hundred and fifty voice um, gospel choir with the flags, with the dancers with everything. And so we were just, we were just blessed to be a part of it, right? We were happy to be a part of it, disappointed, but happy. Um, yeah. Cause we really thought that was going to be the thing. What it meant is that a, we couldn't quit our jobs, which is probably good. Um, <laughs> Cause I think we were already like, we'll quit our jobs. We'll move to Nashville. We're such amazing musicians. Um, so we didn't get that. And, um, but I do remember we got called the next day. Mm. Do you remember this? No. And was it, so yeah, we got called the next day. I don't know, maybe, boy, I hope I'm not remembering this wrong. Um, we got called the next day by Charlie Peacock. Oh, I do remember that, yes. Because he was one of the, he was one of the things. And he told us that one of, the, one, of the, um, one of the judges, and this sounds like sour grapes, so I apologize, but, but yeah. he said one of the judges had rated us really, really low and we lost by one. Mm. And he said the other judges were actually really, he and the other judge were, were really confused by why he did this. Um, mm. Cause he felt like we had, we'd had it stolen from us when it should have been ours. So at least, mm. I mean, we can take that home and feel like we're, we won. Feel like we won. I, we didn't yeah. win. We didn't get a record <laughs> contract, um, but we didn't go home. We didn't go home empty handed. Well, we sort of did. They gave us another plaque and I broke it. No, it was a, a trophy, a glass trophy that you yeah, dropped. That I you dropped. dropped it on the way out of the yeah. competition. And they were like, we'll send you another one. And they never did. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that, sad. But we walked away with a lot of contact. I mean, a lot, right. a lot happened there. A lot of yeah, the whole week, a lot happened. It was pretty cool, actually. Um, we, yeah. we talked to a lot of bands. We got to know a lot of people. And, and we Did we get began- a record label there? No. Did we get a, a record well, deal? Well, yeah. We didn't get a record deal. We got a distribution deal. I think that began the talks with True Tune Records. True Tunes. True Tunes. Which was actually out of a, I think it was out of a record shop in the Chicago area mm-hmm. um, that was putting together a distribution company with a couple different people. One, one guy by the name of Dave Bunker who had been involved. Yes. In, well, Now, listen, this, uh, is, this is how old we are. I'm going to say it. Um, people probably have no clue now because you know our listeners are all under the age of 25 probably right what a distribution deal what what does that even mean okay you mean so you let to me actually physically distribute things exactly let me explain to you um there used to be these things called cds <laughs> they stood for compact discs and we actually thought that they were very much on the front end of everything <laughs> we were very excited and so you would sell these discs and they had like you had an album cover and it had liner notes inside and they had what was called a J card that you would stick those in stuff in like, yeah, it was back in the day. So we got a distribution yeah, the literally, deal after a while. You literally had to get a company's deal to distribute your CDs around the world. Right. Was, Unless you were going to take them in the back of your trunk. 
There were there were there were MP3s, but we no, there weren't. There were not at that point because uh, because the next year, sometime maybe six months later, maybe the next year, I was sitting in. Um, we were recording in Nashville. Our producer had moved down to Nashville, and we were recording in his house. Interestingly enough, which shows you how professional we were. And um, I mean, now that's the thing, but it wasn't back then. And um, he, I remember him telling, asking me if I knew any like software engineers or any mechanical engineers who could make these things, who could make a player for these things called MP3s, which I had never heard of before. And he was talking to me about this and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't really interested. And then I think, you know, eight months after that, like the iPod mm. comes out and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's what he's talking about. So yeah, another yeah, missed yeah, opportunity yeah. We lived. Wealth. I mean, this may be a little ahead of ahead of the story, but we we lived through the great transition from CD from physical right music to MP3s. I remember, I remember that it was it was distinct. The transition was distinct. I remember standing at our merch tables mm-hmm. and having our stacks of CDs, which is the the only way we we're actually monetizing this right. thing. <laughs> or in t-shirts a few t-shirts or t-shirts which we got to talk about uh, and watching entire youth groups showing up to our table watching one kid buy it buy the cd and then yep. that kid would hold it up to the rest of the youth and say i've got it and then they would all walk away right and, and that's how you knew okay the mp3 game has changed our our financial future that's right it's over it, it changed everything um, and there weren't streaming services. You could Napster. You could begin. Ooh, Napster was just Napster. beginning to be a thing where you could steal music, which none of us did. Yes. But, um, but no, there's. So yeah, there was um, walking out of walking out of GMA that week. It was definitely a sense of like, hey, obviously we didn't get what we came here hoping to win, but there may be a future at least in being able to play live shows and being able to maybe tour around a little bit and starting to do things a little bit differently. Um, mm. which I think was cool. However, we had this problem, which was that we were still in seminary. Yes, training to be and, ministers. Right. I mean, some of us only took three years to get through. Some of us took like five years, Sam. Um, said, are you, are you kidding it felt me? like you were there forever. I completely... I, I think that's why you're a year older than I am. You just... The? They stuck an extra year what? on your life. I can't believe... And you're three years you older than I am. This big thing. <laughs> no, it felt like you took forever to get Listen. through seminary. Because we okay. all left. We all started to get jobs and we wanted to, we wanted to, like Mike left first, right? Mike, our rhythm guitarist and, and a guy who did a lot of the business in the band. He left first. He moved to Chicago. Yes, to he Hinsdale. did. To Hinsdale, to, to pastor, to begin his ministry career. Now, before we move on, since you've insulted me uh, again, uh, I, was, I was at seminary for one term longer than you were for two reasons. One, my wife was completing her degree and I didn't want to finish before her. Number one. Number okay. two, actually there's three reasons. Number two, I did not go to seminary with a pre-seminary degree like you did. Right. Um, my undergraduate degree did not, I had a bunch of deficiencies I had to make up when I got to seminary, including biblical languages, which I did not have in undergrad. So I had to do that while you guys were all enjoying life and going to eat donuts at the donut shop and going golfing, etc. I was studying <laughs> Greek. And Hebrew, uh, number three, right. and probably um, most importantly, I skipped summers. While you lived in the hot sauna-like environment of <laughs> Mich- so- so- Southwest Michigan in the summers, I escaped to the wonderland of summer camps where I 
did ministry and enjoyed a lake and skiing, et cetera. Um, so, you know. Yeah, that I, was I, a lot. That was I a lot stayed, I stayed a little longer. That was a lot nicer than what I got to do. That's for sure. However, I knew I was going back to San Diego. Like I knew what church I was going to in San Diego, the La Mesa Church of San Diego. So I wanted to get through as quickly as I could so that I could go to San Diego and live my best life. <laughs> anyway, so back, back to this thing, now that I've defended myself, back, back to um, um, what the outcome of our week in uh, Nashville in April, 1997. We started booking shows. Right. We started mm. booking some shows and whether it was, whether it was kind of within our denomination, our Adventist denomination, those shows, because now we, we were a thing, like we had a name, we had done something. So all of a sudden our portfolio was looking a little better than it had before. So we started doing more gigs. We started flying places, driving places, doing gigs. We got a manager, we right? We were oh leveraging our friend. Yeah, we got a manager, but it wasn't, was it that quick? I think um, we had all moved at that point. Maybe. So we did, we did like the, we finished out the year. Cause I think that was in, that was in the spring. That was in the spring. I finished in December of that year, 97. Oh, true. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And really? so we, yeah. Cause remember we booked that tour on the West coast. Oh yeah. I do remember that. Yes. Yeah, like 12 or 15 shows. I was, we were finishing up. It was right. It was right before Thanksgiving, I think it was like a November yeah. tour and we booked the shows and I just didn't want to come back to seminary. So I, I called yeah. my professors and said, listen, I think I'm going to just leave. And I know the quarter's not over yet, but here's the deal. Maybe either give me the grade I've got right now. So I don't have to worry about it or I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm just going to do it on the road and I'll fax it back. That's right. I said, I would fax it back because I didn't, I wasn't sure the email would work or not at that point. Um, what is a fax? A facsimile? <laughs> a facsimile? A facsimile? Um, it's. I'm not going to explain what a fax is. I have no idea. Yeah, continue. It's magic. Mm. I think is all it was. Yeah, when yeah. I think of a fax machine, I think of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and how they would how they would with radio waves <clears throat> move somebody from one place to the other. Don't you remember that? No, Willy I, Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. No, I didn't grow up with those uh, strange myths of your childhood. No. <laughs> That's how I always thought a fax machine worked. So it shows you how thoughtful I am on that. I'm obviously unclear. But, um, but no, so I, we just left. When it came to like November, we, we left. We did a tour up and down the West Coast, kind of California. We did a bunch of shows. And then, we, um, and then at the end of that, um, we, I was out of seminary. You were still there. I think Roy had moved to Sacramento. Um, yeah. He was in Sacramento as the chaplain at an academy there. By yep, he was, he was at an academy there. And um, then... Um, it was just myself and the lead guitarist, Jason, who were in Bering right, Springs at that who point. who were still in Bering Springs because Mike had already left. And, um, and then we had, we had the work to do to get everybody kind of in the same place, right? Yes. Which took a while. It took yes. a while. Because I had moved yes. back to seminary. You were supposed slated to go back to, I don't know. Carolinas. The Carolinas, which had sponsored me to the seminary. So that was right. an awkward conversation. The, hey, thank you for the three years of paying for my education. I'm going to go to California and pursue my rock and roll dreams. Right. I think you did that. I think Roy did that to the Texas conference. Um, we eventually got Mike to move out to California um, with, to start a minister or to work in a ministry that eventually became the church I'm actually working in now. Um, mm -hmm. Jason... Um, didn't have a job so just kind of would go wherever 
Apparently. <laughs> Did he have a job when he came out? I don't think so. But he always was busy. That guy worked hard. He yeah. just was working all over the place. Um, and that, that guy may have had the worst job in the world because he was in a band with four pastors. Yes. Right? Yes. Single guy in a band with four pastors. Yes. We, yes, we, we should have at least ordained him an elder or, or a deacon <laughs> or something. Some office, offered him some office, ecclesi- ecclesiastical office. Right. What was, the, what was the joke? What was the joke we had to ordain? You know what? So somebody could take up the offering? Was that <laughs> it? <laughs> I do. I will say this though. He probably had a deeper, more broader knowledge of scripture than, than all of us four pastors put together, didn't he? True. He was for real. Yeah. He was for yes. real. He, he studied scripture a lot, but no. So, so we just started doing shows, right? We just, we began to do shows and we played in the Midwest and we played on the East coast a bit and we played got busy. on the West it coast. Got busy. We got busy. I yeah. think our, I think one of our busiest years, and I can't remember what year it was, but one of our busiest years we approached, if not went over the hundred show mark. Mm, yeah. And, and at the same time we were filling our pockets with money, right? Tim, tell them about that. Uh, well, we the, what's crazy about playing music, and most musicians know this, money just flows. <laughs> it just, it's just overwhel- like it's overwhelmingly lucrative for the majority of musicians out there. Um, so yeah, we were just rolling it's- in the dough, as they say. <laughs> no, we made no money. Zero. We made right. no money. We did along the way get a, get a uh, uh, what do they call them? A manager. Yes. Right. A gentleman well, by the name, say, a, a lawyer by the name of Mark Butler. Mark Butler, yes, who catapulted us to the next level. I will say, look, we were we were generating some income, but we were putting it all back into um, into the operation. Right. We we right. never walked away with uh, fat checks from our. No, no, no. We were recording with that music or with that money. We were um, we were making more merchandise because merchandise was a way that we made money. So we'd make T-shirts and we made hats hey. and we made. Tell when we discovered the t-shirt business was big. Yeah. Well, we had been, we had been playing and we're kind of jumping all around the timeline at this point, but um, we had, we played the show. We played for uh, Acquire the Fire, right? Is that what you're talking about? No, it was before that. It was another event, oh. a big this DCLA, I think is what they called it. That's oh the, yeah. Yeah. And that was early on. That's when we decided, you know what? The, since the MP3 game has sort of diminished our opportunities for making a living off of this, we got to find a second line of income, and that's when we decided T-shirts. We're right. going to become a a T-shirt company, essentially, uh-huh. uh, supported by a music ministry. The supported by music. That's true. That's right. We played DCLA. I forgot about that. We played a show with this big convention in LA and DC, which was weird because it was LA DC, not DC LA, but they called it DCLA. And, and on that, like we played with big bands, but we were like not ever a big band. So we wouldn't play often on the main stage. We'd play on a secondary stage. Um, but we, you know, we had a little merch table and that sort of thing. And, and every one of those shows generated more shows, which was cool because our bread and butter were youth, youth groups. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause everybody was bringing bands in at that point. I mean, I did, I had a Tuesday night thing at, um, I had a Tuesday night thing down in La Mesa with my church and we brought local bands in and bands that were touring and that sort of thing. Not big level bands, but you know, B and C level bands and mm-hmm. um, some D and F level bands for sure. Um, <laughs> but while we were doing that, we were also getting the gigs in, we were, we were flying over to Australia. We were playing over there for some great people over there that we've maintained Europe. relationships with. Europe. 
We went to Europe. Yeah. That was right after, that's right after our, that was in 98. That was our first international tour. Mm-hmm. Um, we played like, I don't know, we played 11 times in 11 days and I spoke 22 times as mm-hmm. well as that was, those are busy times. And, and Ansku, um, if you're listening to this and I can't imagine that you are cause you're so much brighter than we ever were. <laughs> um, we all learned she was, she was the youth director of the Finnish conference, Finnish union, I believe. Right. Union, and she, yeah. they brought us in and we had so much fun in Finland. It to this day remains one of our best trips and yes. we still talk about it. Um, yes. And by the way, I was looking at my, the heat map of where people watch the crosswalk church and there were, there was a person in Finland. So I think that's going to check it out every once in a while. Oh, I, I thought it was, I thought Oh no, that was, you're right. For this podcast. Right. That was for the podcast. There's one person yeah. who listens in Finland. And that may be on school. So if it is, if it's not, this is going to be super embarrassing for the other dude. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's getting, it's getting too, it's getting too exact. I think the rest of our listening, the rest of our listening public is like, what? Who? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we got to do some really cool things all the while we're writing music, right? And we're recording. We go to Nashville. We start to record there. We put out another album that we called, wait for it, The Cross-Eyed Album. <laughs> Why do you say it with such drama? Because it, really, like, it was, it was like good. a play. There was a picture of a guy with a cross over his eyes. And yeah. Was, I which kind of goes great. along with the theme of Big Face Grace. Yeah, we did that. that was, I think that was one of our darker albums. It was a little more moody. We had that song, Oh My God. That was very moody. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but people love that. That was a crowd favorite. That was a good. Partly, it was a good live because show. we unleashed Jason's guitar. Yep. Like we let we let him go, didn't we? Right. Just so so then rolls around. Remember ninety six ninety seven. We were at Gospel Music Association. Ninety eight. We go again, and this time with I believe it was ninety eight or ninety nine. We went with our distribution company, and we did a showcase during Gospel Music Week with um, our show with our our label. Was it ninety nine? Was it 99? It could have been 99. May have been. May have been I think, yeah. It, yeah, it could have been 99. Um, I mean, we went 98 as well, but that was just really to, you know, kiss babies and shake hands, get to know more people uh, and get, you know, get our name out there a little bit more. And then in 99, I think we went with True Tunes and, and a couple things happened. We got a, we got a, um, a performance coach. You remember that? Yes. Yes. What was his name? Jackson song? Something Jackson. Something Jackson. On stage was the, the the name of his program, and we 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 bought into it, man. Dude, it was great. They talked about how how you look. You know, every song doesn't look the same. How come every song doesn't sound the same? How come every song looks the same? And start thinking about the way you perform and and how you know some great yeah. stuff though. I want to say Peter stuff. Jackson, but it wasn't Peter Jackson. Obviously, he's the guy no. who did the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Alan Jackson. I don't think that's that's a different guy also. That's a, that's a, um, what I do remember Tim from those, the trainings is that, can I say this? Um, that one day after long hours of choreographing and teaching us how to move on stage and whatever, I began to feel like he was teaching us how to look like a band, a hair band from the eighties. A little bit. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I want to look like the basses from Poison when I'm playing. <laughs> I think, I think I want to develop my own style. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say this: that the principles, the principles from which he gave us were good. The principles that he the taught principles us were, were excellent. Maybe, yes. maybe not the maybe not the execution the of every single speci- one. Specific moves, I think, were not 
not for right. us. And we got because to know, I mean, we started to, go ahead. Because our music was not really, I mean, I know every artist would like to say their music is terminally unique, but our music wasn't, <laughs> you couldn't really, I mean. No, you but we love those questions, right? What, who do you sound like? Well, we don't really sound like anybody. Uh, we, sound, we sound like ourselves. We're kind of a mix between this and that, but we're really creating a new genre. <laughs> no, we weren't. We were not creating any new genres. We weren't even, we weren't even doing the genres we were in that well. We were just, just another five-piece band. That's all we were. Um, that's sometimes like, you know, like even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. And every once in a while, we, we find like a, a, decent, a decent little melody that we play. Um, yeah, but, but no, so I met, all the timelines are all mixed up here because we, we – you know, I remember we did a show and brought the performance coach out and his buddy Dave Bunker and they walked us through like how we performed and all that. And I will, I will say that that really did help us. And I'll say this, that's really helped me in preaching, really understanding an audience, understanding a lot mm-hmm. of those, a lot of those performance principles. But um, yeah, man, it was fun. It was fun. We were always chasing it and we, we worked hard. We have to mm-hmm. give a shout out to Michael Connect because he did most of the business of the band. Um, you know, he took yeah. responsibility on and then and then when when we brought mark on as our manager which by the way felt really good to say didn't it yes when people would be like hey we'd like to book you for a gig we'd be like well you needed to speak to our manager we we don't deal with the business we are artists consummate we only do (laughs) the art we only make art. And so, yeah, so Mark would take care of a lot of that stuff and he traveled with us and got us upgraded every once in a while because he had yes. the gift of gab, still continues to have the gift of gab, as it were. Yes. Um, I haven't seen him in a while. Mark's, Mark's, I think he reached out to me a few days ago, actually. I, need a, I think I've got a text message I need to send back to him. Um, but let's talk about band dynamics for a second because there are five of us, right? Yes. Okay. So every, every boy band has like their, their people who play the roles. We were hardly a boy band. Uh, we were but, a grown man like, band. But like what roles did we play? Well, um, are we talking about ourselves or are we describing each other? Because I can tell we'll you probably what roles. Descri- describe each other. You were more of an observer all the time. So tell me what you thought. Oh, That's just, my role I, I'm giving you. Every practice, everything. I was the, I, I asked myself, what am I doing here? What is this happening? Yeah, as we right know now? from the previous podcast, what am I doing here? These guys don't know how to play. Yeah, we got that. We got that. Anyway, go ahead. No, I was the I was the quiet observer. You're you're right. I just watched the I watched the the dynamics of the band. I'll tell you this. I think I learned this should be in the in the lessons learned episode. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and say this one now. Um, teamwork the working with um really um people with with strong how should i put this delicately with strong opinions about the direction of a group effort mm-hmm. um I, I i observed it with keen interest and i was learning <laughs> a lot i think yeah um uh, i think the the most interesting moments were when um you who were the main songwriter right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Jason, who was also bringing a whole lot of material, because that's all he did. You had a, right. you know, he spent, he spent his nights just recording and writing and recording and writing. Um, he would bring us complete songs that he wanted us to record. And then we would say, no, nah, this is a group effort. Let's all, let's all work together. The process, that process to me was fascinating. 
it was yeah. it was yeah the creative process is really tough because when you when you throw something out there there's you have a tendency to be kind of emotionally attached to it and so when somebody doesn't like it or when everybody doesn't like it which happened a lot to the music i brought um <laughs> yeah you get like really personal and I remember this took me a while because Michael Connect had been to architectural school before he went to seminary. Mm-hmm. And so they'd been kind of always working in that design process. And so, you know, you throw out an idea and people get excited about it or they don't and you got to fight for your idea. And I remember it took me a few years and finally I was like, dude, why are you so negative? Like, why, why, is, why do you hate everything that comes in? And, and he said, well, I don't. Just if it's a good idea, you got to fight for it. Because, and then he told me about the like design process of architects. And I thought, oh, that's fascinating because I was approaching it of like, let's like everything and then try and make everything better. And he went from a very critical standpoint of like, let's hate everything and then work with anything that might be good to make it better. And um, Mike and I wrote a lot of music together kind of mm-hmm. in that way. It was contentious at times, but, but always working towards the betterment of the song. And I think, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think Jason would bring a whole song and I'd be like, eh, man, I don't know if I can sing that. Um, and, and he would get kind of hurt sometimes. You'd get hurt. I'd get hurt sometimes. Like it was dicey. There were good nights yeah. and bad nights and good days and bad days for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it was interesting that the, whatever the sound was that we were supposed to be about, <laughs> our identity, like our identity, our, our sound, um, everyone, I think five, the five of us had a different idea of that. Yeah. And, and we were constantly pushing for that. I, I didn't remember that there were days when I thought I would think, that that is great that right there those those harmonies that's that's good i i love that people are gonna love that and then everyone would say that's gross why why are we sounding like we're some pop band doing three-part harmony that's dumb Uh, and it would it would be devastating i mean well if you guys want to sound like an angry band all the time with all this everything super overdriven and distorted with no yeah, class. That's, that's kind of what I wanted to sound like. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> so yeah, that was my, um, yeah, that, that's my, that's my take on the, the dynamics. Yeah. I, I think you always wanted to be, you always wanted to be more like accessible and, and more musical. I think Roy always wanted to be more interesting because he listened to a lot of like jazz and really interesting Funk. music and he was a really good drummer. So he wanted to do, I remember he brought a song one time. He's like, let's do, let's do a five fourteen time signature. Like I can't even count out <laughs> four, four. Let's be clear. Um, it was, it was cool sounding, but we like, we couldn't make it happen. I don't yeah. think we could ever play that. He was just, he's like, you like Sting? And I was like, yeah, I love Sting. And he's like, okay, he's playing this in 514. I was like, I don't know. I don't yeah. even know how you count that. And he's like, it's five over 14. It's like this. And he was really good at it. Um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah he, uh, I think he always wanted things more interesting. I think Mike had a tendency to move things towards a little more acoustic mm. driven. You know, Jason's yeah. take was, I don't listen to music because I don't want to be influenced by anything. So That's all his true. stuff was really like esoteric and very him. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I just always wanted stuff to be heavier. Yes. Like, come on, more. We can make it louder. Like, simplify and heavier. That's what I always wanted because that was kind of the music I had listened to when I was growing up. Yes. Um, yes. That and Prince. I listened to a lot of Prince, but that was, seemed kind of beyond the scope of our musicianship. <laughs> at that point um what was the what would you say was the the apex of our career what season this um i think two things right i think ss park when we went up to praise in the rockies 
and we got to hang out with all those bands and um you know mm. get to know i always loved getting to know musicians that was my thing whenever we'd go do a show i wanted to get to know all the other musicians because i just loved music and i never felt like we were in competition with anybody um i always felt like it was this um i always felt like it was this really simple um mm. you know really simple uh you know what i loved about getting to know musicians is that is that i i live with a bit of an imposter syndrome um <laughs> for the first year or two but as you talk to a lot of them you begin to realize it, everyone everyone's kind of the same everyone's right figuring this thing out no one's super confident that they've got it all figured out uh all, all in the same boat that was really good i love yeah. that and everybody's everybody's always kind of looking over their shoulders right? Mm. Everyone's kind of looking over their shoulders to see who it is they should be connecting. That was like the gospel music association. We used to, we used to say, oh, okay, we need to go smooth the cheese, which by the way, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know where that came from. Um, but it became the name of the, wasn't that? It became the, the name. Yeah. It became the name of the publishing house that we yes. owned for a while, which that's another story, but yeah, we'd be like, okay, let's go smooth the cheese with these people again where in the world did that come from? I don't know who said that, but um, so that's one thing I didn't like is that you were always trying to like climb up the ladder and get more connections than that. But I remember we had some, there are some great bands out there that we played with. Do you remember God's megaphone? God, God sized megaphone was God sized megaphone. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. That was those bands. That band was crazy. Yeah. They were I, awesome. I, I remember every band we played with. I, I, I remember keenly Jacob's was, window. Daniel's window. Daniel's, Daniel's window. window. Do you remember that? It was Daniel's window. Of course. Yes. Yeah, they were on they were on True Tunes as well. What about Wide Awake? Wide Awake was one of my See, but those guys were Love those they guys. They became they became like like brothers, didn't right. they? Love right. them. Love and then them. what did their name become? Cuz they um, had to change their name cuz there was a DJ with the name of Wide Awake who sued them. Do you remember that? I don't remember. I don't yeah. remember. So check this out. A DJ whose actual real name was Johnny Zero. That was his real, actual, God-given name, from what I understand. That could be apocryphal, but that's what they told me. <laughs> Sued Wide Awake because he was going under DJ Wide Awake. That was, his name was Johnny Zero. That that's was, a pretty cool DJ name, I think. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, no, so many, good, so many good bands. So for me, that was a big part of it, just getting to know bands and you know, grabbing their T-shirts or hats and that sort of thing and passing it off. That was good. But I think our probably the apex was the year that we played with acquire the fire mm, and it wasn't yeah. the, that we made so much money or anything. Cause that actually was quite expensive for us to do. Cause we had to get to these shows, but they were the biggest shows, right? We were playing in arenas and yeah. that was, you know, to, to 10,000 people, 12,000 people, 15,000 people that yeah. to me, cause for me, that was the thing, right? Performance was the thing. When we got in front of people, that's what I love doing. So when we were getting in front of lots of people, it was, ah, it was just incredible. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't know that we were good, but it was certainly fun to do. And I think we put on a fun live show. Remember Expolite, the Latin Christian music? Oh yeah, of course. Thing we did in that. Miami. Yeah, yeah, because we played at two a.m. in the morning. Yes. This this festival went on and on and on and on. Um, and who did we follow or who came after us? Was it, um, it was a, it was a, it was a reggae, it was a band. reggae band. It was a reggae band. Right. Uh, yeah. Christafari, Christafari. 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 
Yeah. They were fun, man. No, it was, yeah. it was such good times. The, I remember going out with our Latin distribution company, the owners of our Latin distribution yes. label, and um, they were super sweet people um, yeah. out in Miami. In fact, I've never really been to Miami during the day because I think we landed at night, slept, went into the convention <laughs> early, played that show that night, and then stayed up all night and flew out the next morning. Like we yeah. had a lot of shows like that. Um, yeah, I think, I think those years, when we, that year when we were doing the, the mm. acquire the fire stuff, because I think we were, we were good. We had played enough that we were pretty solid in what we do. Um, so we weren't yeah. having to spend time just, can we actually play this music? But no, we know how to play it. We know how to perform it. We know how to interact with audiences. I think that was good. Yeah. We got to meet like much better bands. You know, we got to meet the guys from audio a, we got to meet the guys from, um, Skillet, 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 yeah. who, yeah. Um, I, I thought that yeah. was a really cool time. It was, it was kind of a weird organization. I'm not sure I can vouch for them all over the place, but um, but I did yeah. enjoy being part of a of a of those kind of shows because they were big shows. They were big, and we were we knew our music well enough that we could actually relax now and settle into performing it right. Right. Or it was before we were always, I always felt like, man, this, this airplane may not have enough parts in it to actually take off and fly. Yeah. Um, but by then, by then we were actually, we were actually good. Yeah. We were a good band. We had performed enough. We were really confident and um, our merch was selling. Yep. Uh, you know how I know? Because we had to take bins and bins of it to mm-hmm. the shows. Um, and th- this, this is why I really remember is because I would be so tired you were a touring, you're, you were made for touring. I was not. <laughs> Tour, touring was, was really hard on me, on my body. So I was, I was always tired, always. Right. And what I would do, Tim, um, before our show, like before we went on, on stage, is I would go to our merch table and I would make a bed of, of our t-shirts <laughs> underneath the table. And I would, that's where I would sleep. Really? Is that where you disappeared yeah, you to? Guys, you guys would have come and kicked me to wake me up to go get ready. Wow. Um, I, I, really I would be asleep that. all the time on that table. Yeah. Yes. You know what we could do? You know what we could do? We could do a whole show just on touring ah. and some of the craziness ah. that happened <laughs> because there was some craziness. I don't want to go into it all now. We should do some, we should do some work on that because that would be a lot of fun. The one thing that we haven't really talked about is the pushback that we got. Um, because yeah. I don't know if you know this, but we come from a relatively conservative denomination, you know, Christian denomination, Protestant denomination. Are you asking and me or the dear listeners? Dear, dear listener and you. Um, there, was a, there was a sense we were doing something that hadn't really been done before in Adventism, at least not in the way that we were doing it. There were certainly bands out there. You've got your Take Sixes and, you know, Whitley. There are people who are making music, but they were not doing what we were doing, which yeah. was not generally accepted at the time. Yeah. Yeah, by, and by I actually the powers that be. and I actually think we should do an entire um, episode just on that. Yeah, um, because there's a, I actually have that as a major section of uh, what I want to talk about. Yeah, um, the you know it, there's some there's some major moments in the pushback that I think um, defined how we do ministry in the future. I think we've referenced that before. Um, I think we saw we got to see. A, a side of our tribe, our mm-hmm. denomination, that was at the same time disturbing and also really hopeful. Like I saw really right. like growth. We're part of right. major growth. Um, well, and I think that, that 
let's do that. I think maybe we could do that on the next one. Um, because because this has been a bit of a transitional one. We we're just trying to get to the point because um, the next time we talk about kind of the timeline of the band, we needed to probably start talking about how we began to wind down and how yeah. we began to recognize that maybe we weren't going to be the rock stars that we thought we were going to be and we weren't oh. going to move to Nashville. I mean, have you accepted that yet? Oh, listen, no, I accepted it way before any of you did. You know that we any, talked about this. Any before. of you? Yes, and I mean you, the four of you. I got. I crossed. I crossed that Rubicon, that threshold. Um, and I can tell you the moment. So maybe I should save this for. Yeah, this save that like for a the cliff, next one. Cliff, cliffhanger. Yeah. I can tell you where we were sitting, what I was eating. Really? What, oh yeah, I can tell you exactly the moment that I knew. The, the end. This is the end. The end <laughs> is coming. Um, and it wasn't the risk. By the way, it wasn't the result of a like a like a band band tension it wasn't any of that i just knew this is the moment i knew this is the end wow yeah. well now i'm actually let's end right now so we can do that next one soon because okay. that i'm fascinated by that i'm really interested in hearing what that yeah, is you got it all right well hey it. you guys thanks for coming along on this musical journey as bono says in rattle and hum it's a musical <laughs> journey just always one that's my irish accent it's not good it's poor i apologize <laughs> which by the way by the way i just i know i said this before but if you have not seen rattle and hum you need to go watch it i an irish accent that sounded like you had a stroke what do it again, <laughs> do it again. i'm not doing it now journey no. what? a musical <laughs> journey journey that's what i'm actually trying to like trying to channel um oh what's his name the guy who's 007 <sighs> What's his name? The old guy. Sean Connery? Sean Connery. That's, but he's Scottish, isn't he? I don't really know what's going on anymore. We should probably end. Um, ladies and gentlemen, dear listener, friends and family, um, the person in Finland, we just want to thank you for hanging out with us and being a part. I think they deserve a shout out. There's only one. I think that's important. Um, listen, we want to thank you for being with us. We are Tim and Sam, Sam and Tim. Uh, we got some other stuff in the works that we'll be talking about in a few in a few episodes, I think, um, as we're trying to get yeah. organized along, along the lines of this podcast. But we'll get to that in a bit. Thank you for being with us. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Sam, it's always a pleasure talking always with you. A pleasure, brother. Always Even a pleasure. when you think that I'm always attacking you, which I'm not always attacking you. We're, we're going to grow together. We're going we're gonna to make changes as we are. All right. All right. We'll see you guys later. Yeah. Bye. Our podcast and its theme music is produced by Michael Lenore, and our content manager is Teresa Rojas. Tim is the lead pastor of Crosswalk Church in Redlands, California, and Sam oversees spiritual care for Adventist Health. Thank you for joining them for today's conversation. For more information on what they have going on or to support their ministry financially, visit www.samandtim.com. That is S-A-M, the letter N, T-I-M.com.